Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. My name is Josh. If we've not met, uh, I'm affectionately known around here as the other tall white preacher. Uh, people get Aaron and I confused sometimes. Even Aaron's own mother, uh, she's come to me uh, and hugged me awkwardly from behind at church before thinking I was Aaron. That makes for a strange morning for everybody. Um, but no, my name is Josh. I, I handle a lot of the missions stuff for our church. In fact, I'm literally leaving uh, after Selah, after the second service today, and I need a ride. Uh, so if anybody wants to come back and take me to the airport, that'd be great. But my suitcase is in the back. So I'm hanging out with you guys, and then I'm heading to Tanzania, to Kenya, and to the UK to meet with a lot of vineyard leaders that are working all across the continent of Africa. So I'm really excited about it. It's, it's pretty cool for me because uh, my very first international mission trip was about 20 years ago in Kenya, and I've not been back there since. And so I get to go back, and that's, uh, that's really special for me personally. Um, I want to remind you guys of something. I know we've said it multiple times, but uh, we the service times will be different next week. So it's 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So make sure... Uh, remember that and uh, show up at one of those times. We're, we're trying to make space for people. Uh, we got a Labor Day crowd today, uh, but normally the last few weeks it has been absolutely packed. And so um, I'm really excited that we're going to be able to do that and have a little more space to stretch our legs in here and get some more people in here. And that will be good. Uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to launch right into the message. So Father, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today to study your word, which is a gift that's been passed on to us through the centuries, through millenniums. We thank you for the rain that you've given East Tennessee. We needed that. We thank you for a place to come with friends and to be mobilized for your mission, uh, to be encouraged and to be healed. And Lord, I pray that any and all of those things would happen today as you will it. We love you, Lord. Amen. Uh, you guys ever heard of the concept of thin places? It's a really old Celtic concept, and it's pretty cool. I don't know how much validity it has, but I've always been really intrigued with the concept. The concept is that there are places on planet Earth, and the, Celt, the ancient Celts literally for a couple of thousand years have had this understanding or this idea. But there, there are places on planet Earth where the veil between heaven and Earth is really thin. Uh, so think about like a, a, a beautiful scene, like some of the scenes we have here. I think uh, we have some pictures. Like that's a, that could be a thin place for somebody. It's beautiful. Let's just slide through them right there. These are just some examples of places that, you know, you don't just pass by them really quickly. You gaze at them. You spend time there. You can meditate more clearly. These, uh, the Celts would say, are thin places. And um, so other examples aren't just like physical locations, but maybe like events that take place. So think about uh, when your child was born. I remember when our first child was born. That really was like, uh, I couldn't, I can't explain the emotions. It was, it was just a thin place. It felt like heaven was really, really close, that the veil was really thin in that area. Or maybe you could think about a wedding, or you could think about like a powerful church service. Maybe, maybe you've been in a church service uh, where it just felt like the Spirit of God was so close and heaven was breaking in. Maybe for some of you, it's Nayland Stadium. You know, you go in there, you're like, I'm experiencing God right 
Now, for most Tennessee fans the last few years, it's been a thin place between earth and hell, but uh, it seems to be trending in a better direction. Um, maybe it'll be a thin place again. Who knows? Um, there's some examples in Scripture. So those of you who grew up maybe in Sunday school really studying, especially the Old Testament, we've got like Mount Sinai was a thin place, a place where people could like meet with God. And, and, and you had the burning bush experience with Moses. You guys know that story, right? That was a thin place. The Holy of Holies and the temple is a great example. Um, and maybe most mysteriously, the Garden of Eden, whatever that was like, right? We, we've got this imagery given to us in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, but it's just imagery to help us understand something that was so profound. Literally, Adam and Eve, human beings walking and talking with God in the garden. It was, it was more than a thin place. Uh, it, was, it, it was literally like heaven on earth, um, whatever that was, whatever it looked like. And you know, some of my thin places, uh, my home office has frankly become a thin place. We've lived in our house for like a little over three years now. And I mean, that's when I have most of my times with, with, with Jesus in the quiet and in solitude. And I, I can turn everything off. I can be at peace there. And, and that's been a thin place. There, there have been times where it literally felt like the Spirit of God was breaking in in my big recliner that I have in my office. I'll sit there and I'll, I'll read scripture or I'll study or I'll meditate. Um, and that's been a thin place. Other thin places for me, or there's a couple of spots in the Smokies where I go to time and time again. And if you know me well, you know I love to hike. And, but there are two particular places I'm envisioning right now where I just felt like the Spirit of God was so thick in that place. It was a thin place. Um, but I don't want to talk about actual places today. I, I think the concept of thin places is cool. Whether it's legit or not, I don't know. Um, but I want to talk about thin places in a different way. I want to pose an idea to you. What if God meant for us to be thin places? Like the people of God, like you and me, people that have put their faith in Jesus and have received the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. What if God meant for us to be thin places? Um, the Bible compares us to like a temple where his spirit dwells. And so in, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God lives in you. And this is a concept brought up constantly in the New Testament that we have been given the Spirit of God. We, are, we don't need a physical temple now. We don't need that to be a thin place. God has designed us because of what Jesus has done to be a thin place on planet Earth. And that's, a, that's just interesting. Um, you know, the, the ancient Israelites, they understood heaven as a place where God dwells. And therefore, wherever, for, 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 the, for the Jews, therefore, wherever heaven was, God was. And wherever God was, heaven was. Now let your mind, like, think about that for a minute. Because we have this idea of heaven way off in the by and by, and, and nobody really completely understands the concept of heaven. The Bible gives all kinds of imagery for it, but it's still a very mysterious thing. But the Jews, if nothing else, understood heaven to be the place where God is. And so where God is, heaven is, and where heaven is, God is. Um, and the scripture says that now we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we believe Jesus was God. And so if now God resides through his spirit in us, then wherever potentially we are, heaven could come breaking in. Now, that may sound like a crazy concept to you, but I don't think you have to dig into scripture in the New Testament too much to come to that understanding. And what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean when you show up to your workplace? What does it mean when the students in here show up to their second grade or 10th grade classroom? 
I don't know. I wanted to kind of toss that around for a few minutes this morning. You guys know what it means to live incarnationally? You ever heard that term before? Um, so we Christians, you know, use that term because Jesus did this. Jesus was God, fully God, and yet he took on flesh and he became like us. And let that sink in. That means that the power of heaven took on flesh. And now those who follow Jesus and are filled with his Holy Spirit are called to live on mission as he did little pockets of heaven on earth, invading earth. That's why we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven. We're not just holding on for the sweet by and by, but we're wanting to see heaven break in now. And, it, and one day it will be fully restored. Planet earth will be fully restored. But until then, we have a job to do. Dallas Willard said this. He said, we are built to live in the kingdom of God. It is our natural habitat. It's our natural habitat. So here's a question worth considering today. What are you and God doing together these days? What are you doing together these days? How are you partnering with God's spirit, which lives in you if you're a Christian, to be that thin place in your social networks? Now, I want to uh, talk about three ways that we can think about this this morning. The first is being a thin place in the ordinary, in the everyday mundane parts of life. Um, I think that so many people think that the preacher types or the missionary types and all that, they're the ones that are designed to do the kind of stuff we're talking about this morning, to see heaven breaking in, to you know, bring the word and all these different kinds of things. But God wants to do things in the ordinary. It's in the ordinary that thin places can take place. Um, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to use the message version just for this scripture. It says, Jesus now called the 12, the disciples, and he gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and heal the sick. He said, don't load yourselves up with equipment. Keep it simple. You are the equipment. I love this version of the Bible. You are the equipment. God wants to use the, and for these 12, this, these, were, these were fishermen. We know this, right? These were fishermen. These were tax collectors. This, these were like normal dudes. And he told those guys, you are the equipment to go out into the ordinary and see the extraordinary, to be thin places. So let me give you some examples of, of people that I see around me that are doing this in the ordinary. I've, I've got this friend. He's got a job that, frankly, he hated. Uh, he, he, he works at a large mortgage loan company in Knoxville. Uh, he was friends with lots of folks that were doing, quote-unquote, doing ministry, right, kind of professional Christian types. And he always thought he would do something like that, but he felt stuck in this job, in this mortgage loan company in Knoxville. And he got encouraged a few years ago just to begin to, to pray in that mundane thing that he went through every day, to begin to pray for his workplace, for his environment. And he just started praying for his coworkers. He started praying for his clients, the people he worked with praying over the space there, and people, he started talking to me about this, people started seeing him as like this safe and peaceful place, and he, he just started talking about how the overall climate of this mortgage loan company changed, the air changed, and now he's got like this ministry in a mortgage loan company, he's become a thin place. He's become a thin plate. I just want to speak to some of you because that's some of your stories like here that you came in today and you're like, I am so glad I'm at church. I really don't want Monday to come around. I'm so tired of getting up and going to whatever it is. And I would just say, what if you saw yourself and recognized you could be a thin place, a place where heaven and earth could collide right there in the place that frankly you don't want to go to. 
You know, my kids have had teachers, there's a couple of which that are in the building today, all right, uh, that, that they have lived their lives as thin places in the classroom, and it has changed my kids' lives. And by extension, it's changed lots of other kids' lives. See, teachers, so you've got two sets of teachers, right? You've got teachers that are sick of it. They've been doing it for a while. And then you've got teachers that say, man, this is my life's calling, and I'm going to go in and be a thin place in the classroom. And it changes things. It changes things. Um, Ellie had this coach, my daughter Ellie. She's 12 now. She had a coach about two or three years ago. She's, she's played softball for quite a while. And, man, this guy was incredible. Um, you know, we've had a lot of good coaches with our kids. We've been really blessed. A lot of good coaches, a lot of good teachers. This guy was just extraordinary. He was such a positive influence over the girls' lives over the course of the season. But it culminated at the trophy ceremony. And they have a little trophy ceremony at the end of the year. They get all the kids together. This guy gathered these girls together. And I'm telling you, as he gave out uh, an award for each of these kids, he literally like spoke prophetically over these kids' lives. Like he said, I see this in you. And he called out these truths in these kids. He got to my kid, he like started tearing up. And so we started tearing up and he said this word over my daughter that I was like, that is spot on. He's right. And I found out later, yeah, this guy's a Christian, but I mean, this guy took, an, uh, you know, at the time it was nine or 10 year old softball award ceremony so seriously that it could have changed the course of a young girl's life. And that's a simple thing. That's a simple thing. But if we see ourselves as thin places, the spirit of God can break in in ways that we never would have considered before. Um. You know, we try to do this in our neighborhood. We talked about this. Uh, you guys have probably heard me talk about this before, but our, our family really strives to live as a thin place in our neighborhood. So we go on lots of walks, and we're visible to our community. And when neighbors have a problem, we really try to rally around them and, and just identify what are the needs of our neighborhood. But, man, we got, we got so many neighborhoods represented in this church and I just wonder if we all started really seeing ourselves as thin places, little pockets of heaven, what would happen in our communities around here? Uh, one more thing to, to say with the, the ordinary. Um, so uh, I think I've told this story before, but when I was in high school, uh, one of the guys that I looked up to so much, he ended up becoming my roommate in college, and I'm going to talk about him here in a, a, more here in a little bit. Uh, his name is Drew Kimsey. Some of you guys may know him. He grew up William Blunt. We both went to William Blunt over here. Drew's a couple of years older than me, and Drew had started this Bible study uh, and met in the library of William Blunt High School, and uh, it was awesome, man. There was like 20, 30, 40, and by the time he graduated, there was about like 50 kids that met in the library almost every single morning before school at William Blount High School, we would have a Bible study and prayer time, and it was incredible. And uh, one of the great honors of my life is as Drew was graduating, he said, Josh, I would love for you to take that over. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah, I'd love to. And I, and I did that my senior year in high school. And man, we, we grew it. It was like 80 to 100 kids would come out. And I mean, God did some incredible things during that time period. And a few years later, I was talking to Drew, and I was like, man, you remember that Bible study? I'm just like, that was so formative for me that you trusted me with that and gave that to me. And I just appreciate it. I said, man, that's so cool. How, how did you get the idea to start that? And he said, oh, I didn't start it. And, and I said, you didn't start it? I thought you started He said, no, man. Somebody passed it on to me like I passed it on to you. And I said, well, who was it? And he said, Aaron McCarter. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> He's always got to come out on top, man. Isn't that awesome? Um, Aaron McCarter, the McCarter family, has been seeing themselves as thin places. I'll tell you, it goes, it goes that far back, you know. 
just what, what if we just started gathering some of the people, Christians, non-Christians, at our school, and, and we started creating a thin place for people by thin places, <laughs> creating a thin place by thin places. And that's in the ordinary. He didn't have to do that. What, what kid is getting up and saying, oh, I, I want to start a Bible study at my school? Man, most kids go to school and they just try to get through the day. But in all walks of life, when we start understanding that the potential of God breaking in is inside of us, what would God do with that? We can be thin places in the ordinary. The second thing I want to talk about is the darkness. We can be thin places in the darkness. Dun, dun, dun. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, there's so much. I mean, that's one of my favorite passages of Scripture describing Jesus and the the mystery behind Jesus. Um, But one thing that really stands out to me in this passage, and for the purposes of what we're talking about today, is that this Scripture... You know, it talks about, notice that the light isn't separated from the darkness, but it shines into it. The light isn't separated from the darkness, but it shines into it. Oftentimes, you know, we we don't want anything to do with the darkness. Even as Christians, we try to avoid the darkness rather than realizing the darkness is always going to be here until Jesus comes and makes everything right. There is darkness in the world. There is hurt and pain and poverty and darkness is here among us and it ain't going anywhere for a while. And our job isn't to avoid the darkness, but to shine into the darkness. This is what the Spirit of God does. You know, I heard this term not too long ago, somebody said, you know, most people tend to gaze at their problems and glance at God. But people that start to see themselves as thin places learn over time how to gaze at God and glance at the problems. It's a different perspective. Not to avoid the problems, the darkness will always be there. But to learn to glance at the problems and to gaze at God, that is a lifelong practice that we have to pursue. It is not easy because the problems are all around us and darkness is all around us. What would happen if we learned to gaze at God and glance at the problems, not to avoid the darkness, but to trust that God is bigger than it and can shine into it? Again, Dallas Willard said this, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or, or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples. Students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. Now, that's a lot. That's kind of a meaty quote. But one of the things he talks, he dif- did you notice he differentiates quote-unquote Christians from those who see themselves as disciples? There are tons of cultural Christians that go about their day and don't live as thin places, but those who truly choose to become an apprentice of Jesus, learn to shine into the darkness. They learn to be a thin place. And God wants to use you in places and environments, listen, that you try to avoid. Did you know that? <laughs> God wants to use us in those places in the darkness that we try to avoid. Do you guys know that we have people in this church that don't avoid entering into busted up marriages of people 
that are around them. You know, most people avoid those marriages, people that are going, whose marriages are on the rocks. We've got people in this church that enter in and they recognize that they can be a thin place to speak into those busted up marriages. Do you guys know we have people in this church that don't avoid the quote unquote difficult kids? There's a bunch of them, by the way, a bunch of people in this church that have said, we are not going to give up or avoid or turn away from the kids that are the hardest. We're going to be a thin place. We are going to be a place where that kid can experience the power of God. We've got a lot of people in this church that don't avoid the darkness. They step into it. And I don't know about you. I've got two pretty good kids. I mean, we've got problems like everybody else, and they're still really tough. But there are some kids that are just so hard and difficult because of maybe what they've been through or something they struggle with. And most people say, mm, I don't want anything to do with those kids. Blessed be the saints that don't do that and say, that kid is worth something. We've got people in this church that are doing that stuff, man. We will always have darkness in our neighborhoods and our towns here in East Tennessee, but living in fear or avoiding is not the way of hope. It's not the way of Jesus. And he beckons us to follow him into the darkness, into the hopeless. I want to tell kind of a, a slightly strange story as it pertains to darkness. Uh, but two, I, I, there's, there are two guys in my life that I've mentored over the years. This has been quite a few years ago. And... Um, they have very similar stories. Uh, they're international uh, leaders. Uh, they were in their 20s. They were already doing really incredible, powerful things for the Lord. They were growing in their faith. I thought, man, these guys are going to turn the world upside down. I'm so excited about this. And both of them uh, had something happen in their lives. Uh, they both got their girlfriends pregnant. And they both came to me in utter shame, thinking I was going to say, well, we can't work with you anymore, you know. Uh, and I never will forget. I just felt like the Lord in both of those circumstances said, no, man, I've still got my hand on these guys. And so I, I took them through a, a time of, of healing and a time, you know, counseled them through those, those difficult waters of decisions they would need to make and ways that they could repent and ways that they could get back on track and all this kind of thing. And one leader did one thing and one leader did the other. After a period of time, one leader said, hey, I just don't think I can do this. I'm, I've, I've screwed my life up. I'm, he basically said, I'm living in so much shame. Uh, and he ended up having nothing to do with the girl he got pregnant, didn't, ended up not being involved in this kid's life that was born, and uh, I've fallen out of touch with him. Yeah, I love the guy. I've fallen out of touch. He, he, he couldn't get past the shame. He couldn't get past the darkness. The other guy ended up uh, going through real healing personally, uh, ended up going through counseling, ended, ended up feeling convicted and called to get married to the lady that he got pregnant, who's an extraordinary lady. Uh, ended up being an incredible father. They've since had other kids, and now he leads a movement of hundreds of churches. Now, why do I tell that story? Um, not, to, not to condemn or shame the guy who didn't, you know, step out of that shame. Um, but I want to speak to some people in the room today who think they're disqualified to be a thin place because of what they've done, <laughs> which is all of us. We've all done icky, nasty stuff, and some of us in the room are in the middle of icky, nasty stuff right now. And we think, God can't use me. There's too much darkness. I'll just be maybe a good Christian if I'm even going to follow Jesus at all. And I would say that the light shines into the darkness. God can and will use you. And when we have prayer time here in a little bit, I would love, if that's your story, I would just love for some of our leaders to be able to pray with you 
and help you to understand that God can still use you as a thin place because the light always shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, okay? We can be thin places in the darkness. One more thing about the darkness. Uh, you guys ever heard of a, a, a missionary named George Schmidt? I would, I would imagine probably not. He was this Moravian missionary, came from Germany. He actually learned under Count Zinzendorf, which if you studied some missiology, you maybe heard of that guy. Uh, but anyway, he, he, he was called by Count Zinzendorf to be a missionary to South Africa, specifically to the Khoikhoi people. They became known as the Hottentots. Now, these were very backwoods people, very like typical, like get all the stereotypes you have of a middle of nowhere tribe in Africa. These folks have had, had, had almost no contact with the outside world, and even surrounding tribes really turned their nose up to these guys. George Smith was called to go and be a missionary to those guys. And so he went in, and there was lots of animosity from the, the Dutch Reformed Church, which was also in Cape Town, South Africa at the time. Uh, very strict, very legalistic church background. And, and so George Smith went and checked in with them before he went to the Khoi Khoi people. And he said, hey, I'm going to go do this. Can I have your blessing? And they said, no, they were a different denomination, so they didn't want to play fair with him. It was really weird and icky. And he said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to go do this. And so he goes to the Khoi Khoi people. He ends up living there for seven years. And I mean, I had hardly anything happened other than he taught a few people how to read. It was a completely illiterate tribe. He taught them how to read using the Bible, and five people came to the Lord. And at that time, there ended up being persecution from the Dutch Reformed Church, and they ended up kicking George Schmidt out over a whole series of uh, events. And so he'd served there for seven years, and he'd only led five people to the Lord, taught some people how to read the Bible, and then he had to go. He goes back to Germany, and he felt defeated, although he did continue to live his life uh, as a missionary in some other places. But he felt so defeated about the last seven years. He thought, oh, that, that seems like it was just a waste. Fifty years later, the Moravians were allowed to send missionaries back into that area. And they went and they visited the Khoi Khoi tribe. And they found, uh, they asked, hey, has anybody heard of this George Smith guy? And they were, some people said, we remember years ago, there was a missionary. And there's an old lady that can tell you about that. So they sent George Smith to her hut. She was in the middle of nowhere, and this old lady came out, and they said, do you remember George Smith? She said, yes. They said, can, do you know Jesus? She said, yes, I still have a Bible. And she went, and she got her old Bible, and she brought it out, and they said, that's incredible. George Smith said that some people had learned how to read. Can you read that? And she said, my eyes are too bad, but my granddaughter can. And she called her granddaughter in, and her granddaughter came in, and she read the Word of God, and he, they started digging some stuff up, and sure enough, there was a whole remnant of Khoi Khoi that had carried the gospel tradition for half a century. Because one guy had the belief that he could go into one of the darkest places and be a thin place. And he didn't even know if anything would come of it in this beautiful tradition amongst the Hottentots, which still goes on today, is alive and well. God can call you to be a thin place in the darkest places. Don't avoid the darkness shine into it. And then the last thing, we can be thin places in grief. This might be a, a strange place to end, but this is what I felt led to end with. 
You guys know the story of Lazarus, right? Uh, Jesus was doing his thing outside of Bethany, and, and, which was the town that Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, lived in. And some people came and they said, hey, Lazarus is sick. You need to come and help him out. And Jesus uh, put it off, and he put it off, and he put it off. And finally, uh, when he finally was going to get there, Lazarus had already been dead for a few days. And uh, people were, like, upset. His disciples were like, why did you, why'd you wait? And he said weird things, like he's only asleep. And they were like, no, he's starting to stink. You know what I mean? It was just crazy. And so Jesus goes to meet with his close, dear friends, Mary and Martha, who were the sisters of Lazarus. And, and we'll pick up in, in John chapter 11, verse uh, 28. And it says this. Uh, they're talking about Martha. It says, then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. This story's always been so weird to me because you, you know that Jesus had this foreknowledge, because he said he, said he was going to do it. He had this foreknowledge that Lazarus would be raised from the dead. And, of course, he goes on in this story to raise him from the dead. And the strange thing to me, and I'm sure maybe it stuck out to some of you, is why in the world is he weeping when he knows what's about to happen? That's a very odd thing to do. And so I, I wonder, why was he weeping when he knew that Lazarus was going to be resurrected? Maybe, perhaps, God grieves over the pain and hurt of others. And when we grieve... We're being like Jesus. Maybe stepping into the hurt of the world and into grieving is godly. Maybe grieving is godly. Maybe grieving is a thin place. Now, you may be saying, okay, this sermon's been kind of interesting. You're talking about being thin places in the ordinary and being thin places in the darkness. But why, like, grieving, like, what do you mean by that? Do you guys know that God's heart is so broken over all the hurt in our lives and the lives of the people around us. And God knows that he is going to make all things right. And yet he still grieves. He knows that one day Jesus is going to come back and fix everything. But in the middle of the pain and suffering, he is grieving. And grieving is godly. Therefore, for us to grieve over the pain and the hurt around us is to step in and be a thin place. Let me give you an example, because that might not be making, a, make, making much sense to you. Let me, let me give you an example how grieving can be godly, and you can be a thin place in the midst of grief. I told you I was going to tell you another story about my buddy Drew. The most powerful thing, and Drew's just had a huge impact on my life. The most powerful thing I've ever experienced with Drew, and I've, I've told this story years ago in church, is my wife and I were pregnant with our first, Ellie. This has been about 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. Emerson, I mean, excuse me, uh, that's my son, uh, Drew and his wife were pregnant at the same time. And it was just really cool because we were both going to have our first child right around the same time. We'd grown up together. It was just really neat. We were celebrating and getting excited together. And uh, sure enough, we had our baby perfectly healthy. And then Drew and his wife 
uh, had their baby, baby hangs on for three days. Uh, life started out to Vanderbilt, all kinds of complications, ends up dying. And it was just so tragic, it was so sad. And one of the most powerful moments of my life is when we went to a graveyard out in Lenore City, not too far from here, and it looks out over the Tennessee River. And we were all there waiting for Drew and his wife to get there. And they pulled up in their cars, lots of people around, because he's got lots of friends, because this guy's awesome. And, and, and Drew gets out of the car, gets his wife out of the car, and then he goes in the, the other part of the vehicle and gets this little casket. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a service like that. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. And he carries that little casket over to the hole in the ground. And nobody's saying a word. It's dead silent. And then Drew breaks the silence after he puts the casket into the ground. He says, I don't know what else to do right now, so I hope you guys are okay with this, but I'm just going to worship my God. And his dad hands him the old school like boombox. <laughs> and he had this, his old Chris Tomlin worship song, the I Will Rise. I don't know if you heard that. And he turns it up full decibel. He gets his wife by the hand, and he gets down on his knees by that hole in the ground, and he throws his other hand up to Jesus. And it was a thin place. It's a really thin place. When we grieve like Jesus, we grieve like those who have hope. We grieve like those who believe that there's a heaven and that it can come breaking in now, even in our grief. And some of you are grieving or you have people around you that are hurting. Grieving is godly. And God might want you to be a thin place in the middle of grief. I'm going to ask David to come on up and strum for us. And um, I thought about, you know, what, what would it look like as we go into Selah? Um, what would it look like just to have some prayer points? Uh, because, you know, I've kind of bounced around to some different things today. And maybe one thing in particular really stood out to you. And you might say, oh, man, you know, I, I, I want to do some more digging there. I want to understand what is God trying to tell me in this moment. Um, and so I, I mentioned at the end of the service, we're going to have people up here to pray. I'll be up here to pray. We'd love to pray with you over anything you're going through. Um, but I just want to pray a simple prayer and then be quiet for the next couple of minutes that God would speak to us and show us how can we be in a thin, uh, how can we be a thin place, either in the ordinary, maybe some of you are stuck in jobs you, you don't care for or you hate school or whatever. How can you be a thin place in the ordinary? Maybe some of you are, you know that there's darkness around you that you are being called by the Spirit of God to step into, but you've been avoiding it. And maybe God today would want to tell you, hey, I'll go with you to be a thin place in that area. And maybe you've got grief around you today. And look, uh, we'll grieve with you <laughs> if that's something that we need to do today. That can be a thin place. It doesn't have to be without hope because we serve a God that gives us hope.